0: This is something that comes up every time we have, uh, you know, 9 11, when we had the AIDS virus, when we had, you know, so many of uh, these horrible, horrible things happening. People, they're trying to make sense of it, they're trying to um, figure out, you know, why do we have this? all-powerful God and an all-loving God and then these bad things happen mm-hmm. um, so they're trying to figure that out trying to make sense of it and they're doing it uh, you know in, in very damaging way wish
1: I
2: I had no Friends of the podcast, welcome back, the no back to the What If Project. My name is Glenn, and uh, this is episode number 86, part number eight of our series "Women's Voices You Need to Hear." And today we're sitting down with Carol Howard Merritt to talk about her book uh "Healing Spiritual Wounds." And this is a good this is a good episode. Good day to drop by. Uh, I actually talked to Carol uh last week. And usually I record things fairly far in advance, so I was planning on actually dropping her episode towards the end of the series. But we talked about the coronavirus, and we talked about how some of the language and rhetoric around the coronavirus being God's judgment on evil is creating spiritual wounds in people that may or may not rear their ugly head somewhere down the road. So we had a a really good conversation about some really uh, deep and, I think, applicable things. Now, I have to give you the heads up. We had a slight issue with recording. Uh, The first half of the episode, sound issues are there's really no problem. The second half of the episode was a challenge to edit because I don't know what was going on with the volume on Carol's side. Um, I don't know if it was a mic issue. I don't know if there was some kind of uh, interference, like background. I don't know what was going on, uh, but it was a little bit difficult to hear at some point. So I had to splice some things out. I had to play with the volume levels a little bit. So there might be some times where you've got to really uh, listen. It might be better to wear headphones when you listen. I don't really know. Uh, hopefully it will work out. Um, I ran up by my wife. She said some parts are hard to hear, but, you know, I think you can make out everything that's going on. So anyway, do your best to listen because that's actually the part at the end where we talk about the coronavirus stuff. So um, I try to work some editing magic with my Mac and uh, we will see uh, how it goes. couple of things uh, before we, we, hit, we hit play. Uh, number one... Uh, The Heretic Shop is still open, so I was actually going to close it down about a week ago uh, and then reopen it in May with some new merchandise uh, for Pride Month in June to go along with a Pride series that we're doing. Um, But some people told me, like, hey, I get paid at the end of this week, so can you keep it open a little while longer because I want to buy some things. And so it's going to be open uh, for the rest of this week. And uh, I don't know. I just keep pushing it back. Maybe we'll just keep it open through June. I don't really know, but it's, it's open right now. And so if you go to whatifproject.net, click on store, it'll take you right to the site. There's a whole bunch of heretical goodies there. T-shirts, mugs, stickers, backpacks, all sorts of stuff to wear your What If Project passion on your sleeve, on your back, on your notebook, uh, in your surrounding your coffee in a mug, whatever, whatever. I don't know what's going on right now, uh, but the store is open. So head over there and uh, and check it out. What If Project Community is a really cool place on Facebook where you can go to find other people who maybe like yourself are wandering through some sort of wilderness of their faith, asking questions, exploring different ideas. I love this group so much, um, especially during this time of um, social distancing slash some people doing quarantining type stuff. Uh, it's a place where you can go to kind of escape uh, the 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 crazy stuff that might be coming on your social media feed, and kind of interact with some people who are just asking questions about their faith, exploring ideas, sharing resources, encouraging each other. Uh, there are people in there who have been Christians for a long time. There are people who are borderline atheist, agnostic. There are people who uh, are Buddhist. There are a whole bunch of different people doing a whole bunch of different things. And uh, I think it's one of the most encouraging places in the world. So go check it out. The link to that will be in the show notes as well. You can just search What If Project Community on Facebook and uh, it will pop up. Uh, What I want to do before we go into the episode, I want to read for you an excerpt from Carol's book. Uh, one of the things that we're doing during this series is before we roll into the episode, I'm reading for you something uh, that was written by a female voice. So whether it's a book that our uh, guest has written, whether it's a piece of um, feminist theology or something like that, maybe a, a poem of some sort. Uh, but I want to read for you an excerpt from Carol's book, and uh, then we're going to roll right into the episode. And this is what Carol says, She says, in much the same way, we value certain aspects of the God that we worship. Anthropologists realize this when students of humankind want to understand a culture, they take a careful look at its religions, myths, and artifacts. A society who worships a wrathful God will reflect violent characteristics and honor those traits in its people. They will begin to believe that God calls them to war rather than to forgiveness. Thanks for dropping by, my friends. This is my conversation with Carol Howard Merritt. Enjoy.
1: Wish I had a mansion. Wish I had something fancy. Wish I had no pot. so with the rainbow. i time clancy. Wish I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go ahead and run. I'm a check. Wish I had no other sandbars. I'm a chest. Hey everybody,
2: welcome back to the Wonder If Project podcast. Uh, today we are joined by Carol Howard Merritt, who wrote a wonderful book called Healing Spiritual Wounds, subtitled Reconnecting with a Loving God After Experiencing a Hurtful Church that has helped me uh, immensely as I have begun processing through some of my own uh, spiritual wounds. And so Carol, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's an honor to talk with you.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's an honor to be here.
2: Thank you. And uh, I, I loved your book, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes, but I wanted to start off by saying thank you uh, for writing a book that, while I was reading it, it made me feel like I was sitting down for coffee with the mix of like a friend, a pastor, a spiritual director, like a counselor, all these people at the table with me. Talking to me through my my baggage, so thank you for for your work.
0: Oh, that's so good to hear. Thank you. Uh,
2: definitely. Uh, how has the feedback been on the book? I'm sure it's helped a lot of people.
0: You know, it's really been amazing. This is the third book I've written, and mm. um, and I I constantly get thank you letters in fact I, I feel a little guilty about it because sometimes they're so heartfelt and so mm. beautiful that you know i i want to write something back that's really really special and then mm. i end up like you know with with the inbox full of thank you letters that haven't been responded to and then <laughs> you know uh, anyways i'll get to it and later and then evangelical <laughs> guilt like oh, it takes <laughs> over again no yeah. but um uh but yeah no it's been amazing to have um just uh such a wonderful reaction to it um and you know it with these sorts of things you you write it hoping that maybe the words will go out and, and kind of resonate with other people um but so much of it was just trying to work through it myself um mm. So it's it's always great to to get that feedback.
2: That's awesome. And uh, before we jump into the the conversation, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who are you, and uh, what do you do? How do you how do you spend your days?
0: Well, I am um, uh, a mom, and uh, you know my. Daughter, right now, is home from college, so mm. <laughs> so I'm spending my days quarantined at that right now um, yeah. because of the COVID nineteen. Um, I'm a pastor. I pastor a congregation in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm what they call a bridge pastor, an interim pastor right now. Mm. Um, but but I've been a Presbyterian pastor for uh, you know I guess about. 20 years, pretty, pretty close to it. Um, I grew up as a Southern Baptist, went to Moody Bible Institute Mm -hmm. and, um, and had this like call to ministry, but didn't know what to do with it because, Mm. you know, you weren't, you weren't supposed to, women weren't supposed to be pastors (laughs) Pastors <laughs> yeah. in, in my tradition, so uh, so kind of found my way to it, and then um, and then about you know a few years into the pastorate, I also began writing, and mm. um, I was thinking about the the kind of question of why younger generations are rejecting church. And I was writing books about, you know, some of the practical reasons, like um, you know, how the economy affects uh work hours and and you know how um the internet affects um how we relate to each other in different ways. And mm-hmm. and so I was writing all these practical things and then um I realized that there was like a deeper question of why, or a deeper answer to why younger generations are rejecting church. So, so I've been working through those things with my writing, and, and so I've also um, been writing and mm. became an author.
2: Are you working on any, uh, any new books? Your, I, am. I hear yeah. authors are like always working on their next book. So I was wondering.
0: <laughs> That's right. In fact, I, I I'm missing a deadline as we speak. Mm.
2: <laughs> so, the evangelical guilt yeah. again. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. right. There we go. Um, no, I, I uh, yeah, I'm I'm working on a, a little devotional on Julian of Norwich, which is for hmm. I I think I say that wrong. Norwich, Norwich. Yeah. I always, everybody says it differently.
2: We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, yeah, writing this book on Julian who's amazing and it's just so amazing to read it, especially mm. during this time, um, you know, to hear those words, all shall be well, all shall be well. Mm. Um, it's so I'm working on that devotional and then I'm, trying to uh to work on another devotional which i, I guess i just kind of switched a little bit to devotionals cuz i i wrote when um uh the the quirkiness of publishing like i spent 10 years writing healing spiritual wounds and then mm. like 30 days writing this advent devotional mm. and um, the advent devotional outsold Everything I've written, you know? really
3: <laughs> yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. You never know how these things are going to land. So, um, yeah, I'm going to milk the devotional thing. I think for, you know, as long as I can.
2: <laughs> yeah, pe- people seem to like. Uh, I've noticed that too. Like quick, quick thoughts. I've asked people a lot. People ask me a lot, like what what devotional can I read? Something in the morning that I can read before I go to work or something like that. People seem to like that more than they like chapter books I don't yeah, know. yeah yeah
0: well and it, yeah. It, it especially for people like us who are deconstructing you know we kind of grew up with that idea yeah of devotional, true like yeah and and then you so you get used to that and then there's no progressive ones yeah <laughs> right, it's true or there's not a lot <laughs> so to have uh, progressive or liberal devotional available to people I think is is important.
2: Yeah, definitely. So spiritual wounds uh, let's start off by maybe defining that what what exactly is a spiritual wound like what constitutes a spiritual wound? you know where do people typically get them church family friends maybe give us a working definition, some framework for for your book.
0: Yeah, you know, it first came up with me when I went into therapy, and I was um, working with the therapist who was who was an atheist, hmm. and um, and I noticed that I could talk to him about some things, and he was really good, you know, with working with me um, when it came to psychological issues, but there was this. Place the space that he wasn 't able to get to, mm. and um, it, it was just this this idea of I had been spiritually wounded, and when I would talk about that he he couldn 't get there with me you know mm. he had always been an atheist and um, had never had any uh had never had any experience with religion and so hmm. um he he just didn't understand what i was talking about and it's so like he i had no no
2: category for it i guess
0: yeah right right yeah. he didn't have hmm. the vocabulary the language the, the the labels the category for it so i began to realize that okay you know we're dealing with something other than a psychological issue it's not a physical issue it's not a psychological issue but but it is a spiritual issue and so i began to try to think about like what does that mean um and and so i i started to try to define it and think about different spiritual issues and um just kind of went back to the basics you know Jesus mm. said to Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself, and I realize that many of our spiritual issues when it 's a spiritual wound, it has to do with those three things, either loving God, loving your neighbor, or loving yourself, um, you know you may uh, have difficulties loving God because you have um, imagine God as ang- angry and vengeful, mm. and um, and so your love of God is imperfect because your your image of God is um, is cr- one that's cruel. You know, you've mm. been taught uh, to imagine God as cruel and vengeful, um, or there might be a sense that um, you were told. That loving yourself was wrong, mm. um, and so many people aren't able to love themselves. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm part of the Presbyterian tradition, so we have uh, we have a very strong idea of depravity. Like mm. you know, every every person total is depravity, depraved. Yep. yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <Total depravity. laughs> So um which you know in some ways I think might be helpful when you're like trying to run an organization to realize that everybody needs some checks and balances or something. Yeah. But 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 when it comes to the formation of a human soul, like mm. to tell people that they are depraved and yeah. that they're bad, that's right. that's pretty awful, right? Mm. Yep. Um, and, and it helps us to not love ourselves. It, it, um, you know, it, it makes it so we're not able to love ourselves very easily. Um, some people have been, uh, you know, taught purity codes or just different ways in which we are, or have, um, not a, been able to love ourselves and, a full and complete and healthy way. Mm. Um, And then the sense of loving your neighbor. uh, For me, my faith was very, very wrapped up in uh, the religious right. And um, my parents were very, very involved with, you know, the Newt Gingrich revolution (laughs) and um, way back when. (laughs) But, uh, But, you know, they they have been very involved with the the formation of the religious right and everything that means. And, um, so often in that, uh, we weren't able to love our neighbors in, in ways that were important. So Mm. when it came to building the social security net, um, as a nation, when it came to making sure that children had uh, food, making sure that um, women had, uh, you know, um, milk and, mm-hmm. and the things that they needed when they were pregnant or when they had, when they were moms or, you know, making sure that safety net in our society was strong and healthy and, um, Everything that we were taught, I was taught when I was growing up, went against that. Went mm. against, you know, loving your neighbor. So there was damage there as well. Um, mm. So th- I, I, I think that's when spiritual wounds happen. Um, uh, when we're not able to love God, love our neighbor, love ourselves, uh, you know, or there's some some sort of um, marring of those three things. And sometimes those things happen through doctrine. Hmm. Um, sometimes that happens because, you know, uh, an inappropriate relationship with a pastor or, um, you know, some some other external force uh, that happens.
2: So you can come from a variety of different places if one or all of those things are out of whack at the same time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
2: what I wanted to do, if it's all right with you, is I want to kind of share with you one of my spiritual wounds and then get your, your take on it. Absolutely. Um, so for me, uh, I recently discovered that one of my most significant wounds came as the result of a theology or, as you said, a doctrine that I was taught since I was in the like, third or fourth grade. And I, I went to a very small a uh, very conservative uh, evangelical private school from the 4th through 12th grade. And uh, then I went to Bible college and seminary, and all throughout I was taught this doctrine of hell. So uh, you've got to believe in Jesus. Uh, you've got to believe the right things about Jesus. Say the sinner's prayer, all that stuff. And if you don't, you know, then you go to hell, and you, you're tortured essentially for forever. And I can remember as a 5th as a grader being told that like, I needed to evangelize to my parents. Because if they didn't say the sinner's prayer, and I wasn't sure that they did, then they would be in hell when they died, and I would be in heaven, apparently having a great time, even though they weren't going to to be there and as a child, like I already had very minor separation anxiety, mm-hmm. and that absolutely terrified me like I could remember crying in my bed at night, being afraid to tell my parents who always told me that I could tell them anything, but I was afraid because if I did tell them about what I learned well like, then maybe they would just say the sinner's prayer to help me feel better, but not really mean it. And I knew in my mind that if, if they didn't mean it, then they're going to go to hell anyway. And that created even more anxiety in me. And so I felt as this very young boy, like stuck between a rock and a hard place, I remember having you know, nightmares about it. I worried about it. I was afraid. And so I was wondering, you know, have you found in your own life and your own ministry that this doctrine of hell creates a spiritual wound for people? And what exactly are your thoughts around that and, and my story as well in particular
0: oh yeah it's it 's a hugely damaging doctrine, I believe mm. um, you know first of all, we have this we create this image of God with this doctrine, and this image of God is one that is you know if you don 't say the magic words in mm. just the right way then you will be sent to an eternity of torment. Mm. And I remember at one point um, when I was sort of uh, deconstructing all of this, I remember um, imagining hell and thinking, okay, well, it would be like sending a person into you know, the ovens in Auschwitz, except the person never dies. They mm. just keep burning. And it, it occurred to me at that moment that my idea of God was crueler than Hitler. Yeah. You know, and mm. this idea that God would be so cruel that um, – that God would separate parents from children that God would separate, you know, I mean, it's just unbelievable that we teach children these things. Mm. And, and then not only that, but, um, uh, you know, you sound very compassionate with, with your, um, with your concerns and your worries. And, and so you're, you're, Mm you know, uh, thinking about your parents and worrying about their eternal salvation. Um, but, but oftentimes that turns into, for some people, you know, this sort of like vengeful idea, like, oh, well, you're going to burn in hell and I'm not, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it begins to mar our relationship with, um, with our neighbors, because Mm -hmm. we think that they're all going to hell which is such a weird way to be moving about in the world Mm. to imagine that you know they're gonna die and go into eternal damnation Mm. so um i you know there are just so many ways in which this doctrine hurts people and um and you know in and it's hard for us to imagine sometimes another way um, to think about, you know, what, what, what happens. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I believe that um, and, and there's so many scriptures in the Bible that also talk about you know, God sent his son into the world, not to condemn him, to di- condemn the world but that the world should be saved you know Mm. or every knee shall bow every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord or i mean there are just like so many of these scriptures that even if you took the bible absolutely literally um they they point to a sense of God restoring all of heaven and all of earth. So I think we can imagine a more life-giving uh, end to this story. Yeah, <laughs>
2: for sure, for sure. And it's funny, like I, I talk about this a lot on the podcast, just because it was it was such a big piece of my journey. But yeah. I remember, I remember, like yesterday when Rob Bell's Love Wins came out. Yeah, and I had been a Rob Bell. Junkie for a while because I was involved in youth ministry, and so we played those Numa videos all the time. And so his book came out, and I went to uh, the local Christian bookstore, which was part of the school that I, I grew up in. They had a little, like, they called it the Bible House, they had it right next to the school, and they had all of his books there in the past. So I went there to get this new book, and I'm like, I don't, I don't see the book here, you know, where is it? And they go, Wow, we took all Rob Bell's books off the shelf. And I was like, Why? <laughs> right. And I was like, Why? And they're like, Well, haven't you heard about the book? I'm like, I heard about it. I haven't read it yet. He's like, well, we can't have that kind of material in our school. So I'm like, oh. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to go to Barnes & Noble and get it because now that you said I can't have it, now now I really want to read it. So I went to Barnes & Noble that night, and I probably read about three-quarters of the book. And I was just like blown away that like, holy moly, like there's another way to understand all of these things that I've been taught all of my life. Like it doesn't need to be that way. And for me that was such an eye opening, I think life changing moment for me to see that there's another way to understand stuff like this.
0: Oh yeah. I mean I think what the the greatest thing that uh uh, John Piper did was to say goodbye, Rod Bell. Farewell. Then you know it gave it was great. It was like a New York Times bestseller right after that.
2: <laughs> right, and the thing I find interesting though is like, and I think important to point out is that that no one, as far as I know, like meant to inflict that wound on me. Right. Like I I've heard stories, you know, of church leaders, like you said, you know, before that, you know, they're literally predators who purposely inflict pain and hurt on people in unmentionable ways. But this wasn't like that. Like I can look back on those pastors, those teachers, and I'm still, you know, fairly good friends with some of them. And I really believe that they were generally trying to help me and teach me and lead me, but I don't think they realized for whatever reason how their explanations of God and faith and Christianity were going to affect know, a young kind of growing and developing mind and how deeply toxic I now realize that they, they are. And so I guess my next question would be, you know, when talking about spiritual wounds, is it important to make a distinction between wounds that are purposely inflicted and ones that are unintentional? And in, in your opinion, is one more um, hurtful or worse like than the other, or does it depend on the situation or what are your thoughts on that?
0: Oh, I think absolutely, right? It's a lot easier to deal with someone, um, you know, if you think back and, and imagine that someone was trying to save your soul, well, mm. well you can understand that, you know? Mm, <laughs> you can <right>. understand, <laughs> you know, that they had so much fervor. Um, uh, so motivations, I think, count for a lot, Um I mean, that's much different than, you know, a pedophile Mm.
3: priest,
0: Um, you know, that's just a world of difference, I believe. Um, You know, when we were, when I was writing the book, my editor kept telling me, okay, you need to read Desmond Tutu's book of forgiving. And I kept putting it off and he kept sending it to me over and over <laughs> again. And and the reason was, is when we've dealt with spiritual wounds, like people would tell me really quickly, well, you got to forgive mm. and they would jump to forgiveness, like the first thing. And often that's not the first thing that you need to be jumping to. You know, you need to be working through a lot of things before you ever get to forgiveness Mm. and so i kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off but i finally read it and it was a fantastic book um just it was desmond and mafo tutu's book of forgiving Mm. and um and part of what they say is you know in order to forgive you need to be able to tell the other person's story and, um, you know, understand the other person so much that you're able to tell their story with compassion. And mm. and so it's a lot easier to tell a story of, well, my Sunday school teacher was really concerned for me. And so they taught me this because they were concerned for my eternal salvation. Um, and, and so you're able to get to forgiveness a lot quicker mm. than if, um, you know, someone was uh being very maniacal and manipulative Mm. uh you know as a religious leader
2: i think too like as you're talking there's obviously a a big difference between the two and one of the things that i've been telling people who i've been speaking to have been coming to an awareness of their own spiritual wounds is that you know just because don't compare your wound to somebody else's wound right you know just just because your wound doesn't seem as significant or terrible or horrifying as somebody else's wound doesn't mean that it's not horrifying for you. And, you know, it's your story and it's your wound and it's your thing that you need to process in your own way and in your own time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And we we do that, right? I mean, um, I know right now uh, we're going through this corona. A virus and mm. you know things are being cancelled and you kind of feel bad about it and then you're like oh but wait people are dying you know yeah. <laughs> you, <Yeah>. so <laughs> right. so then you feel bad about feeling bad mm. um, but but we just have to really um, you know accept those feelings for for what they are even if they feel Feel even if it, it's it's a small thing or or you feel like it's a small thing, it's important to accept your feelings and and understand um, that they're important as well.
2: Yeah, and uh, coronavirus is a good segue into another thing that I want to ask you. Um, I've seen my Facebook page like light up lately with posts from a more conservative. Uh, evangelical friends who insist that this virus is god's judgment on the earth it's like a sign that the second coming is like knocking on the door like on the door like it's coming it's almost here some people have quoted like prophecy books that were written in the 70s that talk about like this worldwide virus that would hit the earth in like 2020 or something like that and uh, others are quoting scripture i've seen people say that it's you know, it's all the, the LGBTQ community's fault because of their supposed sin that they refuse to repent of, and God has had enough and he's fed up. So I want to ask you, like in light of your book and what we're talking about with spiritual wounds, how does that kind of language and that kind of narrative create a spiritual wound kind of going back to what you were saying about loving God, loving your neighbor, loving your, yourself? And as people come across this language and this rhetoric and their interactions with people, and they find themselves being wounded. Like, what what kind of exercises would you suggest in this time period, in this period that we're in, for people to kind of be on guard against the wound that could very easily come as a result of this kind of theology and this kind of thinking?
0: Yeah, that's a great a loaded question. question. That's right, a loaded right. question. How much time yeah. do you have? <laughs> right, and uh, you know, it, it just seems like Facebook. And so much of social media has brought out a lot of this. Interestingly, I had it coming from the left too. Mm. Um, this earlier this month, I had uh, posted something about how my family, um, at that moment, you know, they were kind of believing the Trump rhetoric that um, that this was no big deal and so they were kind of blowing it off and, and they were still shaking hands and, you know, uh, meeting with people. There were, there were people in my family who I felt weren't really taking it very seriously. Mm. And it, it kind of, like, another response to mine went a little bit mini-viral and then people were saying things like, well, good and they should die, you know, mm. and wow, <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, we got to have some love on both sides. Like, you mm. know, conservative people should not be dying because, um, you know, because they believe Trump. Uh, mm. so, so I found it fascinating to, to see mm. it coming from both sides. But um, this is something that comes up every time we have, uh, you know, 9-11, when we had the AIDS virus, when we had, um, you know, so many of uh, these horrible, horrible things happening. People, they're trying to make sense of it. They're trying to um, figure out, you know, why do we have this all-powerful God and an all-loving God, and then these bad things happen. Mm. Um, so they're trying to figure that out, trying to make sense of it, and they're doing it, uh, you know, in, in very damaging ways. I believe. So I think, um, uh, you know, if, if we can understand that they are trying to make sense um, of their suffering in difficult ways with, with the only theology that they have. Um, we might be able to get some understanding of it and maybe have some compassion for that person. Um, Mm. You know, because imagine living with the thought that you have a God who's willing to wipe out just thousands of people. Um, Imagine if you had that God. Mm. I mean, practically speaking, if you can hide their posts or block their posts or, you know, try to you know, <laughs> not be around um, that toxicity because it mm. will, it it will damage you. Um,
2: yeah.
3: If
0: you read it a lot.
2: I think you make a good point too about realizing where, where it's coming from because what I'm finding is a lot of that, that, language and a lot of those ideas because I used to subscribe to those things as well um, even just a few years ago and you know although I was in this process of kind of silently deconstructing I, I didn't know what to do with all of those thoughts and so I still in my mind was like I think maybe I still believe it but it was a lot of it was stemmed from fear and I was just I was afraid of you know this is if this is the kind of God that we have and this is the kind of God that I've been taught about my whole life. Like, I'm I'm afraid of of what could happen if I don't voice these things, if I don't make the world aware of this. And so I was you know, I need to be more vocal about this, especially in times like this, so that people people know the truth. Like it all it all came from from fear. So I think like you said if we can align ourselves with that and we can understand where it's coming from in the other person, it gives us a greater opportunity to extend them the grace, um, that, that we can right. last question for you. Um, if someone suspects that maybe they have some kind of spiritual wound or something that they're wrestling through, what, what's your advice for a first step for them? Obviously I would advise that they read your book cause I think it will give them some helpful language, but you suggest that they spend some time trying to process it themselves. Should they sit down with somebody and try to process it with them? Should they look to a pastor or a counselor? What's your thoughts on the first step?
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, your Facebook group and I think that there are a lot of groups that are going on that are doing amazing work. They're Mm. raw and they're difficult, but it definitely gives you a sense that you're not alone. Um, Cindy Wong Grant, she's I had a Facebook there There are a lot of these groups that are going on. Um, for me, like spiritual direction actually didn't help me as much uh, hmm. because uh, the spiritual directors that I was working with were more Episcopalian or um, they didn't quite under There's not a lot of spirit. I couldn't find a lot of spiritual directors who understood. Um, fundamentalism or evangelicalism, mm. um, yeah. but if you can find somebody who does have that experience, then uh, and doesn't just kind of look at you like you, you know, you grew up on Mars. <laughs> right.
2: You've lost your mind. <laughs> right. Yeah, right,
0: right. <laughs> that's that's helpful. Um, and uh, but you know, I do love your idea of having a friend and being able. To You know, I went to Moody Bible Institute, and we have kind of a group of friends who were questioning almost the whole time, Mm -hmm. Um, but we've certainly come out of it questioning more and more, and they've been just a lifeline to me, Um, just being able to process these things. Do you remember when that happened? Like, that was really painful am I overblowing this or, you know, yeah, right, you know right. did that, did that hurt? You know, yeah. and just sort of have those reality checks and being able to, um, to, to talk with people through that, I think is, is wonderful. Um, so I, you know, and, and I just really appreciate the space that you're creating um, for your audience both here in the podcast and on Facebook and in different places um, your presence on Twitter and because and these things are incredibly important right now about 25% of the country grew up evangelical mm-hmm. and there are so many are not grew up evangelical but they have, have been evangelical Um, in their lives, at
3: some point Mm -hmm. in their
0: lives. And I think that, especially, you know, with people who are dealing with security issues or people who are um, hurt because
3: of their LGBTQ,
0: um, people who have been damaged in in those
2: really um,
0: core ways uh, just need each other to be able to rebuild
2: yeah well carol this has been a uh, wonderful conversation thank you for taking the time for me we're just about out of time i don't want to keep you i know you have a, a lot of things uh going on but thanks for joining me it's been a pleasure
0: well thank you for the invitation it's great to meet you and to talk with you
2: uh you as well and before you go where can people connect with you online
0: um let's see i'm on twitter mostly right now at uh, Carol Howard, um, and then you know I oh, don't know I'm I'm one of you know many bloggers who has a sad <laughs> blog that right. hasn't been touched <laughs> in a while. Yep. Um, you know I hung in there for a long time, but you know it's, it's a little hard now. But you know <laughs> at Carol Howard, if you're ever in the wilds of New Canaan, Connecticut, you uh, can you know visit her church at First Presbyterian Church. In I'm on Facebook. Not super active there, but I'm there. So I'm here and there.
2: Got it. Well, I'll put the links to that and your book as well in the show notes and people can go pick it up and they'll go and find you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you Perfect. so much. Thank you, Carol. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. I wish, wish.
1: I wish, wish I had a mansion, wish I was dressed in something fancy, uh, wish I on a pot on so go with the rainbow I by wish. the time clancy, wish uh, wishing I had no debt, I maybe wish. then I can't flex, go in here to run, I'ma check, wish I had no opposite most beat, i, I was on my chest. wish wishing for my people, uh, I wish I had more better leaders, Have enough to make our own land, name our own beat, should we bring our old sand? Where we live is so bland, so I much for high you. on demand. Tiptoe around doing high lows, feel like James I Brown. Let me go ahead to dance. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know I who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the I own wish. lock. Champion, go ahead, call the ambulance. I so wish. we said our own ambulance. WTDG, train to go. I Let's wish. talk, no rambling. Wishing I had something for Wishing I had something for Knowing that I can afford it, knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love, but I just ignore it. Some love, it's all love, but I just ignore it. Wishin' I have something for it, wishing I have something for it. Knowing that I can afford it, knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love. 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 love, but I just ignore it. Some love, that's all love, but I just ignore it. I, wish I had red bottles on my feet, everything falls on me. Then I start clicking my heels to the ride, did his beat. Neat, everyone to follow my speed. Let's close those motis. Hey. Carolina roads on freeze. Wishing hey. I could fly to the Keys, hey. that will be more free. Hey. Something in my mind hit the doubt. Put wait. on my fresh fit. Uh so sir Charles, let's go. We about crazy. to go and get it, uh. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got to own lock. the own lot. Champions. Wishing, first I, first had wishing I had something I'm foreign, wishing I had something foreign. Knowing before. that I can afford it, knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love, but here. I just ignore thing it. Thing it. Thing it's all up. love, it's all love, I'm but I just ignore it. Had I'm wishing I'm wishing Besutt... I have something for you should i have something for you something that i can afford it. Knowing that i can for it is real love is real love but i just ignore so love all love but i just ignore king is giving a festival non- i wish well nah king is it. giving a festival i wish king is
3: giving a festival i wish king is giving a festival i wish